broad and relevant conversations, you know that there is no editing in this podcast. So whatever goes, whatever is said goes, I should say. Can't even cut that one out. Make sure that you like and subscribe to the episodes. I've been really enjoying all of the reviews. Um, I love your honest feedback, so please keep that coming. I'm Katie Brown. I'm your co-host. And today's special guest is one that I've had a pretty long relationship with now since 2016 when he was announced as the Australian Gillaroos head coach. Um, Also, he stepped in as caretaker coach of the Warriors women's team in 2021 and also the GM of Player Pathways, Brad Donald. Mate, that is quite the intro. Wow, it is quite an intro and you're making me feel really old. I probably had red hair back then when I think you might have interviewed <laughs> me on Burley Beach when I was uh, yeah, when I was first appointed to the Gillaroos role. Yeah, many moons ago. I remember that story thinking, I have just struck gold here. For me, I was like interviewing the Australian women's coach. This is so cool. What a cool exclusive for Channel 7 where I'm back at now. Yeah. And you're still with the Australian women's yeah, it's, it's a great story because I was probably feeling the same way. You know, like I'd been involved with the women's program, the Queensland Origin, and outside of the State of Origin Week or the Interstate Challenge, as it was called back then, there was probably no interest in, you know, what we were doing, who we were, and it was the first sign that people were starting to show interest. And so, you know, you've pretty much been along for the journey and seen what's happened, so it's great. Yeah, I've seen uh, you on your journey too, and I've been able to watch from afar and also intimately in terms of um, just how much the women's game's changed. And we'll get into that soon, but fast five off the top. Whoa. Yeah, this is fast. So you and I really like to have in-depth conversations that go for hours, but this is fast. Yeah, good luck here. <laughs> okay, first kiss. Yeah. Oh, gee whiz. Um, yeah, real uh, icebreaker this. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, <laughs> year 10, uh, after party, uh, Eloisa, I think, uh, Kiwi girl. <laughs> Um, yeah, and she must have, I don't know if she was intoxicated, but, um, being a redhead, it took me a long time to get my second kiss as well, which was probably (laughs) after school. So thanks, Eloisa. You made me feel good for a couple of years there. (laughs) And you're not married to Eloisa, but you do have a ripper wife. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Donald Bradman batting well and truly over average. We'll talk about the family. We'll talk about the family. This is quick so far. I love it. Yeah. Um, if you had a boat, what would it be called? Oh, if I had a boat, what would it be Like a big super yacht. Ducky, maybe. And I just, like, my dad was in the Navy and, like, Donald, Donald Ducky, (laughs) his nickname was Ducky. And he had a boat. And, but he never oh. got time to, he ne- never got time to, he was an interstate truck driver, so he never got time to, to drive his boat. So I'd call it Ducky after my dad. There I love go. that. Yeah. I'm glad. Oh, for some reason, that was a question I wanted to ask you. Yeah, and some I'm reason it just popped out. There you go. So good. Okay, pet peeve. Oh, oh, um, oh, just people that, um, uh, that are in, into, you know, the selfish, you know, like, yeah, that's my peeve. But there's two ty- kinds of people in the world. There's ones that are in it to make the world better and there's ones that are in it to make it better for themselves. So mm. that's my peeve. Christy always says I've got a really bad social justice radar that I've got to let go of. No, hang it's on. It's pretty big peeve, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're getting deep. No, yeah, yeah. Moving okay. on. I asked. Um, okay, party trick. Oh, yeah. Whoa. And this is coming back to haunt me. I've got an almost seven, 17 year old. Okay. Um, skull, a jug of beer. Yeah. yeah. Not good, hey. And killed many a brain cell. And yeah, just found out that I could skull stuff when I was young. And my young fella's got the same ability. Okay. Yeah. But All it's right. a good party trick. It, that, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. yeah. So when, uh, when you celebrate the Rugby League World Cup win, 
I'll be there to watch you skull a jug of beer. Yeah, absolutely. Handshake? Yeah, yeah handshake. Oh! There we go. <laughs> oh, we got that on camera. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on. Last we're one? On. Yep. Cheat meal. Cheat meal. Oh. Zinger box. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, my boys love them and they're always at it. That is for a zinger box. So, yeah, cheat meal. How often would you have a zinger box? Yeah, okay. Cheat meal once a week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, it's, it's, we have takeaway night in our family. So, um, you know, maybe once a month. Yeah, I like that. I like it. Okay, we got through that relatively quickly. Very, very quick. Uh, the next thing I like to ask is one word that best describes yourself. So, we can change our um, emotions here and maybe get a little deeper, but sometimes it's a little tricky for people to find one word. Yeah, I, look, I think, um, look, a lot of people might disagree. I, I'd use the word giving. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I like to I like to give, um, and it's probably to the detriment sometimes. I know in the past I've probably given to the wrong people, and it's the detriment of my family and, and all the rest of it, but I get great joy out of giving. But it, a polo shirt, and if you know, if you've worked in the game of rugby league, you know, like you see the joy that a polo shirt can bring somebody in the, in the game. Or, um, and I learnt really early in in my um, uh, like in my career that the well, just in life in general, the the best thing that you can give anyone is your time. So, you know, I don't think, and I apologise to anyone that's listening that can would disagree. But if somebody's reached out to me and asked for my time, I almost always give it to them, no matter who they are. Or um, you know, whether or not I was, you know, back in my days of being a de game development officer in Western New South Wales or the Gillaroos coach, if somebody reaches out, I'll always try and give them my time. So, yeah, that'd, that'd be it for me, I think. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah giving. It's your word that describes you and I'm certainly not disagreeing. Yeah, no, no. no. As long as you don't disagree. No, well, it's or more I relevant. I won't so. give you anything. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to tell me everything soon. No. Okay. Um, also, this episode, I mean, if you do get into a bit of trouble, maybe you can get Workplace Law to help you out. Shane and Athena, very good. Um, but they've jumped on board and I'm really, really proud. And I guess for our listeners, um, it's a partnership that resonates very well and closely with a lot of female athletes. Uh, we like to power females and people who um, are encouraging of female sport and females just in general you're one of those um, and I think for anyone who is looking for representation at a tribunal or looking for somebody to look over a contract or a sponsorship deal Shane and Athena and the team there at Workplace Law are happy to help so you don't actually have to have a million bucks if you need um, a hand there so workplacelaw.com.au you can get in touch they'll be in my podcast notes but Brad Donald back to you <clears throat> you have done just about everything in the space of rugby league. You're a teacher by trade. Um, and then you came into women's rugby league and the way that you found it was almost not by default, it was almost meant to be. Um, can you tell us a bit about your story of where you started and how you progressed through to being the coach of the Australian women's team? Yeah, look, I'll try and keep it short too, but I, I, taken a job I was working at the Canberra Raiders and I'd saw myself as a career coach and I'd been offered a job in game development which I'm extremely passionate about as well like the, the grassroots of the sport is what's given me everything in the game um, from you know my relationships to the people I know and the, and the career so I was really passionate about that and there was an opportunity to come to Queensland and basically uh, lead a team in the game development and coaching space as well as I sort of got told, oh, yeah, we'll find you a coaching gig while you're here. And um, much to my disappointment at the time, and I'm embarrassed to say that now, it was like a, it was to help the Southeast Queensland women's side. 
And, uh, and, and I always talk about this first session that I went to that had Karen Murphy, Nat Dwyer, Tani Norris, Joe Barrett, you know, all these legends of the game that had played, you know, 20 and 30 tests for Australia. And they were the easiest team to ever, that would ever, that I'd ever coached. Mm-hmm. And I was just so surprised at what they hadn't been exposed to the lack of, I remember asking why there wasn't a female coaching. And I learned this lesson early. Um, the person that was in charge of putting me into this role said, well, Karen Murphy's about to retire. I think there was probably about 10 years before she actually did retire. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like maybe have a bit of a chat to her. And I, and I did. And I said, and she said, listen, the, the best thing you can do is show up again next year. And I went, oh, okay. So they'd seen a lot of people come over and, and use the, the women's space to further promote themselves mm. and get jobs elsewhere or or maybe just didn't have the time. So from that point in time, I felt a really strong sense of responsibility to help out where we could. And, um, you know, we've been able to do some amazing things since that back in 2011 that wow. uh, that training session was, yeah. There's been so much change. What's been one of the proudest moments for you coming through the ranks? Oh, look, there's there's lots. You know, women's state of origin at North Sydney Oval, crazy. Yeah. 2018? 2018, yeah. yeah that, that, was, that was something crazy. And look, that was something too that, um, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, who was the person that was brave enough in the end but uh, and the decision maker, whether it was Andrew or Todd at the NRL, but we were sort of saying at the, at the time, Friday night, there's no game on and they like grabbed it and ran. And so that basically put, you know, the old saying, you can't, you can't be what you can't see. Mm. All of a sudden we could see these these young ladies who would work so hard running around and, and really normalise rugby league. And, you know, if I didn't get 100 messages that night, I got 200 from people going, oh, <laughs> these girls can really play. Yeah, like that's what we've been doing for the last six or seven years. Uh, the first State of Origin game or the Interstate Challenge game that I coached in, we played at Davies Park and it wasn't it wasn't even the curtain raiser to the Intrust Super Cup game. It was it was before the the Colts. So oh, wow. it wasn't it wasn't and you know that one would have been two thousand and thirteen or fourteen. So we come a we've come a long long way. Yeah, and I think there's been so much that's happened in the women's rugby league space. Uh, I'm very passionate as a you, and it's really easy to forget how far we have come. So it's always a nice reminder because this year we will see a standalone NRLW grand final, which is so exciting too here in Queensland at Redcliffe. Um, And these things need to be celebrated. That's why I think I interview somebody like you because I feel like you need to be celebrated. There's been so many highs and lows in your coaching career. And do you, I'll let you explain, but is it coming to a point now where it's no longer a little family in women's rugby league? Yeah, that, it, it, prob- it probably is. I'll just make the first point about the standalone grand final and why it's great and why this state of origin standalone is so great because I think we hear so many people going, oh, it should be a curtain raiser. But you go, why do you want you know the, the best game in the country that year to be an add-on experience for the men's game? You know, like it's a whole new market. Mm. You know, the St. George Illawarra Dragons, when they first put their NRLW team in, I think they got around about 1,500 NRLW members only, and only 5% of those were, were current male members. And, and that's pretty much the transition right across s- female sports. So we're, we're opening up new markets. Um, the point about the game evolving and changing, it's something that I had to come to terms with probably last year. And um, 
what's happened is there's so many, I, I, I think it's really hard for people that have been involved with the game for a very long time to get the balance right between the past, the, the current and the future. And it's, it's really, really hard to satisfy everybody. There's always going to be resentment in some of the old players, but there's also a lot of the old players that are celebrating the success. And then there's any, any change, like there's a bunch of girls in the middle, some that would just play for nothing and, and don't really care. And then there's others that are really pushing the envelope and going, no, no, we should be paid the same as the men. So trying to find that balance in between is really, really difficult. And I think we were able to, when the, when the group was small, to get everybody's thoughts and pretty much come up with a solution that suited everybody and everybody felt like they had a say in it. And now like we're seeing, and it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not detrimental that so many people are seeing some, some inch or they're showing interest because they can see what they can get out of the game as well from clubs to players associations, to the governing bodies of, you know, States, the, that we actually see, what we've got in front of us. 51% of the Australian population are females. How we weren't working in this market for the last mm -hmm. 50 years is beyond us, you know, and we, and we probably think this right across all sports. So we can't, we couldn't manage it anymore. And it's not, I'm not saying that we, we, we couldn't manage it. I think now that it's sort of got to, it's going to take, there's going to be some bruises and there's going to be some, some teething issues as the game grows. Because, you know, some people have a really strong view that the girls should be professional. Now, every time that they're, the game expands. They've also got the same view that we should have 14 teams, 16 teams. But every time the game expands, it makes it another step away or it makes it another step harder for it to be professional because then we've got to pay another 50 players, another 50 auxiliary staff, full-time wages, you know. So there's all these little dials that, you know, I think we were all involved in those decisions. Now we've got the, you know, we've got the right people taking care of those decisions. Hopefully that all, all, yeah. all, all makes sense. Yeah. It, yeah, it makes sense. And it's a huge talking point. You you sort of hit the nail on the head with the participation numbers. I know in rugby league, um, the female participation is the fastest growing part of the game. Uh, for people who aren't rugby league fans at the moment, you have two state competitions in the QRLW and the Harvey Norman New South Wales Women's Premiership. Um, we have two uh, NRLW Premierships this year. Yes. State of Origin game and a Rugby League World Cup at the end of the year. There's a full calendar year for female rugby league players in 2022. So exciting. Um, how do you manage that? And how do you grow it properly and safely um, and viably, I guess, moving forward? So I think early days, like when I was sitting on the outside, I was thinking, why are we investing so much into the Gillaroos and National Program? Now that really, we weren't investing that much, but but it, <laughs> but it was. We're thinking, oh, I got to build the pathways. But actually, having that product up there, and you know, most people know who the Gillaroos are now. You know, like it's it's a it's a well renowned, and we haven't played for two years, mm. so. Um, using that while we develop the pathways. And I guess that's what I've seen as my next duty is I've, you know, I'm so passionate about the Gillaroos jersey and making sure that when the time comes for me to pass the baton onto the, to the next coach, hopefully a female coach, 
um, that uh, we've done the right thing. But now I can get into I can get into working with the states. We've got national women's championships for under nineteen. So every state in Australia has representation, and every player has access to being seen by an NRLW club now. So building those pathways, and it's also building capability and capacity in the people that are around them. So mm-hmm. we need. We need coaches, we need strength and conditioning coaches, we need physiotherapists, we need all of those great people to help come through the pathway as well, not just the players. So we've got to, and, and with that comes, we need facilities. And, you know, I'm on the, on the board of Rugby League Gold Coast and at the moment we've got girls ready to go, but we just haven't got field space and we haven't got the facilities. So it's, there's a lot of work to be done and people just say, oh yeah, whack on, you know, get 16 teams out there as quick as you can. We're trying to develop the pathway and the, 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 the talent pool as well. Yeah. That, and that's probably a really good thing to understand as well. If you are a female, you can play rugby league all the way through. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. And, and we've still got some work to do with that because, so, we, you know, we put together a, a draft strategy in October 2019, mm-hmm. which all the states and, and bodies have ad- adopted. Um, we basically counted under sixes to under twelves, girls can play with boys. Now that that probably only lifts the lid on 5% of the of the, the females that want to play the game. So there's, there's areas that are now opening up to under eights, under tens, under twelves. Um, there's definitely players that have come through the system now and are in NRLW clubs or they're, they're sitting in the, in the QAS Academy programs that have played from under sixes all the way through to opens. And they're an exciting breed of, of player. Mm. You know, they're, they're, it's second nature to, to those players. Um, where a lot of our stars that, that run around in the Gillaroos always had that, even if they played for a couple of years as, as juniors, they always had that 12 to 18 year old and they had to come back as as open players. So it's, it's exciting, but our next little place that we've got to start working on is making sure that there's opportunities for girls to play with girls from under sixes to under twelves. Ah, okay. Yeah, so, Interesting. So, so yeah. And look, the, the, the player development framework sees the, um, uh, it sees us use the tackle ready program and, and tag for under sixes and under seven. So it's, it's great. Boys and girls can play together then, but once we start getting into those tackle um, rounds and, and competitions, then we need to make sure that there's opportunities for under eights, under tens, under twelves. Like this week, we've just announced down on the Gold Coast that the under twelves program down there will be called the Karina Brown Challenge. Now she's been somebody that's given to the Aww. community for ages, and just a different product. They roll up, they do the tackle ready program, they'll do a few things like Karina, you know, like be mindful, be you know. Kick a field goal. Not that I can see Goose kicking a field goal. <laughs> and hopefully, oh, if she kicks a field goal to win the, the World Cup, then we'll give her a pat on the back. But um, And then they go into a home and away competition that's a little bit different, Tuesday, Thursday nights, and, and then some round robin stuff at the end of it. So that is going to be a female-only product wow. that's a little bit different. And we're going to see more of that emerge across that's the cool. country. So really, cool. really passionate about that and making sure that – our pathways are right. So we got that bit at the top right. We've raised the bar on professionalism mm. and we're just opening our arms as a rugby league community to make sure we've got a whole new breed of players and families coming to our coming into our community. So does that almost um, lend itself to us knowing when realistically there will be a full women's fixture? Um, if that's the part you're working on now, six to 12 year olds, is it 
realistic to say that in 10 years they may, there may be a full-fledged competition? Like what what is the plan for elite women's rugby league in Australia? Yeah, look, it's been a bit suck at sea, hasn't it? Like, and, and I think we've followed many other sports in doing this. It was, I remember us being criticised heavily for only having four teams originally, but mm-hmm. I can tell you that like in those early days, that was really strongly player-led because the players were adamant that they wanted to do the very best they could and put the best product on. And the other thing that we don't account for, and this is the, the skill and the um, the fitness of the AFL girls is amazing. So I'm not taking anything away, but if they can get a fit girl that can kick and um, is very athletic, you can get them onto a, um, you can get them into most positions in an AFL squad. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're really specific in rugby league. You can't just go and put that, that um, you've got to be mindful about who you play front row, you know, packing a scrum and hitting the ball up. You can't just put an athletic young lady in that position and, and key positions like hooker and, and halfbacks. So, you know, we've got really specific positions. So it's it's taken us a little bit longer. So to your point, I can't answer it. Like, I honestly don't know. All we can do is make sure that the funnel is wide. And like I said, the the as the NRL clubs, NRLW clubs start to extend their time with the players, they're going to, they're going to produce more players as well because that's what they're great at. You know, it used to be the responsibility used to be on us. It used to be on the states, but now really, that's what that's what they're great at. They produce the NRL play. They pick the ones with talent at a certain age, and hopefully, out of our under 19s championships, they develop them, turn them into NRLW players, and as more and more of them um, progress into that, then we'll see expansion. Okay. But again, like I said to you before, mate, that it's it's turning the right dials, and like. It's it's like where where do we actually want to be if we want the game to be professional? Mm. So it it if we say sixteen for us to be for us to have sixteen teams and that amount of talent and full time, you know, like it, it could be thirty years away, but it might be five years away if it's six or eight teams or if it's a, a program that encompasses state of origin, two, three, five games, the Gillaroos. And NRLW with no, with the players not having to play state league, um, yeah. which they're so passionate about to make sure that the pathway stays open as well. So that's great. Yeah, it's um, it's a tricky situation. So the broadcast right CBA um, collective bargaining agreement that happens and is happening at the moment because it'll come, it'll tick over after rugby league World Cup into 2023. Yes. Um, what then is there? Does it have to be a plan like? Surely there will be a, a working group that looks ahead into the next five years and says, all right, this is this this is what we want to achieve by – no? Is there not that? Yeah, no, no, no. There would be. I'm, I'm, look, it's, it's, I'm not privy to those discussions and it's probably best that I'm, that I'm not, you know, because of my other roles in the game in terms of taking care of the pathway and, and the Gillaroo stuff. But, like, if you go back – in time, I think it was on the eve of Rugby League World Cup in 2017, and um, you know had a great relationship with um, a couple of people at the Players Association as well as um, at the NRL at the time. And we said, "Guys, we're begging you, can we just put some money aside?" Because you know we weren't even like we we weren't even really looking at it. And this is it was on the eve of us about to play the biggest game of the women's game here against the the Kiwi Ferns at Suncorp Stadium, December two, 2017. So I it. yeah, yeah, I remember <laughs> it, and I remember I was standing in the mall on 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 the phone to people like Lockie Smith at the NRL and um, 
Tim at the RLPA and going, guy, because they were, you know, they were talking about doing another deal. And fortunately, you know, it wasn't a, it was a small amount of money, but it was enough for us to basically think the World Cup was over and we we're all going on a holiday to us being called into a room and saying, right, what are we going to do to to grow the game? So, um, I think you know that that's definitely going to be. I think the boys have got some responsibility in this as well, and I think you know, like there's there's been criticism of everybody in in this in this space, um, but you know, like the boys renegotiating, they'll be able to negotiate um, as well to make sure that the girls uh, are well looked after moving into the future. Um, you know, and, and and it probably does. You know, every everything in rugby league works on those cycles. So mm. you know, just from my t- small amount of time, 20 years in, in, in the game, I think, um, I think that's what we'll see. You know, I'm not dodging the question at all. I just think that, um, you know, it, it's going to be a, a combined effort yeah. to make sure that this time around, it's not an afterthought. They go, hey, let's stick a little bit of money in for the, for the women's as well. And look, the NRL has gone above and beyond in terms of what they've paid um, because of that and, and, the, and growing the competition. So it's been great to have the support of, if everybody's making noise and everybody wants it to happen, then... Yeah, happy yeah, days. For sure. And I think you and I are pretty good at having an honest conversation. Like I know that there would be rugby league fans listening going, yeah, well, how bad was the treatment last year um, when the game was postponed a number of times and, and now it's being played this year. And for me, looking back, hindsight's a wonderful thing and I'm sure that even people at the NRL look back and go, cool, we probably could have dealt with that a little differently. But that was at the time. Um, and I, I guess like the women do need to have like a body where they can go to and get direct communication. And it seems like at the moment there's still bodies everywhere trying to all make noise, but no one's on the same page. Yeah. And that's, that's happened a fair bit because like I said, it's, it's hard for us that have been around for a while because we, we go with good intent yeah, and, and goodwill. And um, I'm not saying that all those other bodies aren't, but we all want the girl to put the Gillaroos hat on and represent my team at my time and do this. And then the, the local club hat to do this and the state hat and the NRLW hat. And we've got to get away from that. We've got to take those decisions away from the girls. And, and I think that's, that's why it was messy for us last year as well. We we're actually trying to do the right thing by the players. And there were some people that were adamant that they wanted the NRLW competition to go ahead. And there were some that were just, just couldn't get it done that, it was just unachievable to make everybody happy. And it was the reason it was so late was because there was good intent and there was good intent from everybody. And there was good intent from the people that were like slagging off that, you know, it should have gone ahead, but behind the scenes, there was also some <laughs> <GB>. people. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like a, I, 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 um, I just think that there wasn't, there's not enough. And this is the, this is the, this is what we try and do in the women's space is bring all the opinions to the table yeah. and sort of sense check where we're all at, that there was other things going on behind the scenes there. And it might've come across like, um, you know, there was rash decision. And again, I wasn't, I wasn't involved in those decisions, but I'll always judge. And I think I've went back to, to the thing that bugs me the most is if the intention's right, mm-hmm. I think so many people had the right intention that we're all getting tangled up with each other because we're all trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And, um, and you know, we'll only be better for it. We're passionate about it. Yeah. Everybody is really passionate about it. Because yeah. it's not at that place where you want it to be just yet, but good reminder to know how far it has come. Um, and just a bit on you and your career. Like I know in the lead up to this conversation, I said, oh, you know, highs and lows, pros and cons. When you did, did me sending you that message make you have a look 
um, and go, oh, done quite a bit, you know, because you have. Yeah, well, look, fortunate to do a lot of work with you, mate, over the years, and 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 I appreciate what you've done for for me as well. And like, if I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here on behalf of making the the game better. It's it's the you know I heard Mal say this. You know, personal accolade comes with team success. You know, like so really, I don't just I sit here on behalf of anyone that's ever you know the first coach of the Gillaroos in 1990 or the first um, Australian women's team in 1993 the first coach of the 1995 for Steve Folks and Graham and um, Graham Murray and Paul Dyer and anybody that's been involved, you know, like I, I, I sit here on behalf of them and, and hopefully am carrying the torch. Um, but, you know, you've been a great supporter and there's been times where, and I think we did a piece when I was going down to help the Warriors out and it did, it, it just took me back to, I was a really average footy player and but I loved it like nothing else, and I could. I and my 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 I could see it in my kids. They just want to get to training and be with their mates and all the things that you hear our, our elite players talk about. Um, I, some of the greatest moments for me in rugby league was doing the coaching course in Cobar, where most people wouldn't know where Cobar <laughs> is. Or um, tell them, yeah, or way out west, <laughs> you know, like or you know, going to Menindee and Broken Hill and Armadale and yeah. Guyra and places like that, and me- meeting people that are really passionate about the. So that stuff's been really cool. But then you know, being able to stand on the stage in 2017 with um, Steph Hancock, Renee Kunst, and Ruan Sims, and 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 raise the the World Cup not actually knowing what was about to happen, I look at that moment and go, wow. You know, like we dreamt that moment up in our, our heads as a group and uh, that is the reason we're at the, this part of the game. Dreams do come true. Oh, yeah, totally. Really cool. Um, I would just like to say congrats and like good luck and I think for our listeners as well, Brad has been a the backbone of the women's game since I've been involved. And I know I'd be speaking on a lot of people, not everyone, because you're not going to have everybody who loves you, but I, no, no, I can no. raw and relevant here, um, can speak on, on behalf of a lot of people. And I know that they would respect everything you've had to say. Um, I know during COVID it was a tough time for everyone and you continued to work. Um, you did whatever it took to keep the game alive and you were even uh, doing rapid testing and, and there's so many things, there's so many great things that I know you've done, which I don't even know about yet. But um, yeah, I just want to say thanks for coming on and, and adding some uh, light to the women's game and we really appreciate having someone like you on board. Mate, I, I appreciate the time to talk and um, yeah, like I said, there's there's plenty of people you, you, you out there that, um, that are supportive and upset a few people on the way, but... I just um, the intention's always been right for a father of two two boys mm. to be so deeply um, engaged in the women's game and, and passionate about it. Like I said, I, hopefully one day can just step back and, and and watch it all flow and go. You know, there was a few mistakes in there, and and there there has been, but there's also you know we also pushed it in the right direction with people like yourself and lots of other great believers and and um yeah can't wait to see what the future holds thanks for having us got to make sure you stay around after the rugby league world cup yeah most definitely yeah most definitely you're not yeah. gonna you're not gonna hang up the boots no no okay. no no I, um, <laughs> def- don't drop that on me <laughs> no no def- definitely not like okay. I, I i really i really think i've got a lot to i've got a lot more to, to give in this space um you know i've done some some even just on my own coaching because i haven't been able to coach since the warriors 
the Warriors stuff and some great people around me, like, you know, uh, Neil Henry and Mal Meninga, you know, those guys, learning from those guys as well and getting out and just watching some of these new these new um, NRLW coaches emerge, you know, Dean Witters, Jamie Soward, Jamie Feeney taking his um, his coaching career to the next step, That those, those things. And I'm so excited about, you know, Tani, um, Kylie, and and the Jess Skinners of the world mm. because like really I th- I I can't wait for the day where we're not even talking about gender yeah you know, like it's you know I know Jess is doing some amazing things with the the NRL squad mm. not the NRLW squad the NRL squad at the at the Knights so you know we're starting to see people doesn't matter whether you're male or female um, you you're valued in the game for what you know and what you bring. So, ah, yes. Yeah. yeah, it won't be a gendered thing soon, but until it is, we, we do highlight the, the gender thing until we don't need to do it any longer. Brad Donald, I appreciate you so much for coming on Real Talk. Thanks, Katie Brown. Yeah. Uh, I do just need to mention, make sure you like and subscribe, leave a rating or a review, five stars all the time, nothing less, okay, um, wherever you get your podcast from. And uh, 7 a.m. next Tuesday is when the next episode drops. And a big thanks to uh, workplacelaw.com.au. Shane and Athena, the team there, are the ones that have helped me and Real Talk team make this uh, come to light because we always need a partnership and they've been fantastic to empower myself and other female athletes and anything um, that you may need assistance with in terms of the law workplace, uh, whether you just need representation or sponsorships or somebody to look over your contract because there's plenty of that happening at the moment. Um, you don't need a million dollars. They're happy to help you. So reach out to Shane and Athena at workplacelaw.com.au. See you next time.